Let's take one more session. This is number four on Philippians 2, 9 to 11, and focus in this last uh, session on this paragraph on the words, to the glory of God the Father. And I want you to see something that is among the most important things I've ever seen in my life, and I didn't see it for 22 years of my life. And then when I saw it, everything changed, and I've been trying to spell out the beauties and glories and implications of it ever since. Father, I love what's here. You have caused me to love it. And I ask that you would cause those who are with me now to see it and love it and be as deeply affected by it, indeed, far more affected by it and transformed by it than I've been. I I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Therefore, because of that amazing obedience and humility that uh, Christ expressed in coming from equality with God, with all of its glorious privileges down to the shame and death and suffering of the cross, therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him a name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So let's ask first, what does this mean? All of this is happening. All of this exaltation is happening. All of this uh, superior name of Jesus and every knee bowing and every, every tongue confessing, it's all happening to to the glory. What does to mean? It doesn't mean make him glorious, does it? He's already glorious. God is infinitely glorious. When you do something to the glory of God, you don't do it to make him glory, glorious. You do it to what? Show his glory, reveal his glory, show its its worth, its beauty, its greatness. So the first thing I want to make sure we see is that when you do something, when something happens to the glory of God, and glory would be the, the, the radiance of his manifold perfections, all the, all the perfections that God has by being God streams forth for us to see, and it's called his glory. To the glory, meaning to the revelation of his glory, to the showing of his glory, to the magnifying of his glory, not to the increasing of his glory, as though we could make God more glorious than he is. So that's the first thing to see. Here's the second thing to see, and now it starts to get really provocative. This text is about God's action. God is doing something. God highly exalted him, right? So God is the actor here. You with me? God has highly exalted him. God the Father is doing something for the God-man, Jesus Christ. And he has, 
a purpose. God has highly exalted him so that. This is God's purpose. And the purpose is that, one, every knee bows, and two, every tongue confesses that Jesus Christ. And then we notice that the purpose, this, the purpose has a purpose. You with me? So God is the actor. He's highly exalting. He has a purpose. And now the purpose has a purpose. The purpose of every knee going down, every tongue saying, you are Lord, is for this purpose, to the glory of God the Father. So the purpose of the knee bowing, the tongue confessing, and the great exaltation, the ultimate purpose, let's call it the ultimate purpose. So this purpose right here is penultimate, and it leads to an ultimate purpose. And the penultimate purpose is that Jesus is being submitted to, and the ultimate purpose is that through that submission, the ultimate purpose is that God the Father be shown to be glorious. Which means, and here's the shocker, this is what I had not seen for 22 years, this means that God's purpose is that God be glorified. God is doing this for this. God has this purpose for this purpose. Which means that God the Father being seen, known as glorious is the purpose of God. See, I grew up knowing that my purpose in life was to give glory to God, because it says in 1 Corinthians 10, 31, whatever you do, whether you eat or drink, do all to the glory of God, John Piper. So by all means, you live to the glory of God. But I didn't catch on for 22 years that God lives for the glory of God. Do you see that? God highly exalted him. The purpose of the exaltation was all coming under Jesus. And the purpose of that was so that the Father God would be glorified. That is the ultimate purpose of God in salvation and in the exaltation of Jesus Christ. Now let's, let's confirm that by just going back well, let's notice something that Jesus said first, and then we'll go back to chapter 1. This is John 17. Jesus is praying. When Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven, to God the Father, and said, Father, the hour has come. He's about to die and be raised. The hour has come. Glorify your Son. So who's doing the glorifying here? The Father is. This is exactly like Philippians 2, 9. Father, glorify, magnify, exalt, highly exalt your Son. Glorify the Son. And here's your motive, Father. Here's your purpose. 
in order that the Son might glorify you. So Jesus is asking the Father to do a penultimate purpose for an ultimate purpose. And the penultimate purpose is glorify your Son, and the ultimate purpose is so that you, Father, be glorified. Exactly the same reasoning as God highly exalts so that the Son is glorified, so that the Father is glorified. That's the pattern. That's the the aim. Now, to make sure we see that that's not incidental or a one-off way of thinking for Paul, look at chapter 1, verses 9 to 11. Again, this is a prayer. It is my prayer. Who is he praying to? He's praying to God, God the Father. What's he going to ask him to do? He's asking God the Father that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ filled with the fruits of righteousness that come through Jesus Christ. There's the request. There's the purpose, the aim. There's a lot of parts to it, but we can call it the basic prayer that God would God the Father would do this. Why? To the glory and praise of God. Who's, who's doing the acting here? God is doing the acting. Paul is asking God to do this for God. Let me say it again, because this affects the way you pray. In fact, when Jesus teaches us to pray, six, Matthew 6, 9, following, The first request is, Father, hallow your name. Right? Father, be zealous for your name. Cause reverence to come to your name. Cause people to see and glorify the value of your name. And that's what Paul is doing here. He's asking for all of this to happen to the glory and praise of God. But he's asking God to do it that way, and thus he's appealing to God's zeal for God, God's zeal for the glory of God. You will find this all over the Bible once it becomes a lens that you see through, or once the old lens of man-centeredness is removed and you start looking through the clearer lens of God's God-centeredness. Last question. Is God an egomaniac for pursuing the glory of God, upholding the glory of God, revealing the glory of God? He's not. And the reason he's not is in chapter 3. I count everything as lost, Paul said, because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as refuse in order that I might rubbish in order that I might gain Christ. There's a principle here. The beauty of Christ, the possession of Christ, is more valuable than the possession of anything, right? I count everything as loss because Christ Knowing him, gaining him, is more valuable 
than everything. Now, if that's true of Christ, how much more true of the Father? And I think when he talks about knowing Christ, gaining Christ, he means gaining in Christ everything the Father is and has to give. Which means that God, in lifting up the value of Christ and lifting up the value of God himself, the Father, is not selfish like we would be if we lifted up our value because we don't satisfy. When God lifts up his own glory and the glory of his Son, he is lifting up that which is satisfying to us. I count everything as rubbish that I may gain Christ because everything is less satisfying than Christ, than God the Father. God, in seeking his own glory to the glory of God the Father, is preserving and exalting for us what is infinitely satisfying as it says in Psalm 16, 11, in your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Therefore, the centrality and supremacy of God's worth is not at odds with my pursuit of joy. It is the end point. It is the end of my search. It is the satisfaction of my soul. And what we find is that God himself is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. But never, never lose the truth that it is God's purpose to glorify God the Father. 